0: Let me just run to my internet machine. Episode 13 of the Metamilus 2 podcast with me, Ben. And David. And I think this week, for some reason, um, <laughs> we're going to be talking <laughs> about... The three R's. The three R's. The confusingly, similarly named Dalek stories of the 1980s.
1: Yeah, because we we conveniently overlooked them in part when we jumped from... <laughs> the 1970s to new 21st century who we yeah we, just kind, of, <laughs> we, we kind of
0: skidded past them because <laughs> i don't really like them that much yeah. but i mean there's there's good there's good stuff there's good mm-hmm. stuff in them i think we have covered them from time to time in we previous have, episodes of we this have cast, dipped but, into
1: them yes but
0: maybe we should just jump we should just dump everything in this in this episode
1: so, should we start with Davison and Resurrection, the first R, Resurrection of the Daleks?
0: Okay, David, I believe you have recently watched this this, this yeah. underrated gem. <laughs>
1: <laughs> well, yes, I did a quick quick watch at uh, this afternoon.
0: At double speed, you yeah. Know, well, I
1: was skimming, <laughs> skimming, and skimming. It is a Dalek story more than uh, the following Revelation story, which is a, almost a pure Davros story. But so this yeah. is. This is keying off of the Movellan story, destiny of the Daleks, that the Movellans supposedly had won by inventing a virus that attacked only the Daleks, and so You're right. the Daleks are throwing thro- throwing up their plungers in distress and look. They need a. They need a innovate. Innovate. They need. They need, they need their creators. So. Again. Yeah. So
0: they yeah, lost him, and now they have to find him again. So
1: right. the setting on Earth with Shad Thames and the Docklands, I thought that was really good, and it's a nice capture of a time period that's gone now it's i mean it's totally been
0: redeveloped and stuff that's all all redeveloped yeah yeah. you know we
1: had a good cast we had terry malloy as davros i think this is his first davros story and he did an excellent job we do love terry malloy
0: and he is pretty much i think to me one of the few good things about the continual reappearance of davros is that terry malloy does a really really good job
1: right other cast members we have aerobics instructor Rula Lenska in there as Styles. <laughs> we do. Rula Lenska exactly, Styles. <laughs> so she's a styling Styles. Yes, I, apparently she's playing a doctor but she is dressed like an aerobics instructor. So Yeah, she is. Well, she was a I don't know, she was another one of these mid
0: <laughs> middle range stars. Mm-hmm. I'm pretty certain that she would have been in a pantomime directed mm-hmm. by JNT. Mm-hmm. I've I've got no proof of that, but I'm sure she was. Yeah, she is the kind of actress who appeals immensely to the kind of producer that John Nathan Turner was. So she's she's always kind of camp. Mm-hmm. Anyway, that's that's Rudolinska. That's right. Rudolfska. Yeah.
1: And yeah. then uh, you had mentioned earlier, Rodney Buse. Buse. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Rodney Buse. Now, whatever to...
0: happened to the likely lads? Um, they're space mercenaries now. <laughs>
1: Yeah, to an American, it's sort of like I had no idea that this was someone, and so okay, give me,
0: give me okay, I, I, one of the fascinating things about doing these podcasts. Certainly for me, I can't really speak right. for anyone else on the planet. <laughs> um, is that, is that a being an American, you are right. slightly confused about why the Daleks are so popular? I find that fascinating. Right. Mm-hmm. But also, you know, you there are all, there, there are these sitcom stars who, who right. turn up in the nineteen eighties, no which which for me are like it's effing Rodney Bews! what Mm -hmm. the hell? So, okay, give me your honest opinion. Does he do a good job? Because I can't see anyone, but it's bloody Rodney Boos from out of the likely lads.
1: I thought he did okay. Okay. I mean, the cliffhanger at the end of the first episode is he betrays the doctor. And you certainly don't see that coming from this guy with a slight uh, speech impediment. And Mm -hmm. now there's a line later in the second part where the... (laughs) Uh, oh, who who's the convicted murderer? Uh, oh, well, um, uh, Leslie Den. Grantham. Yeah, yeah Leslie right.
0: Grantham. Dirty Den off of, <laughs> of uh, EastEnders. Now, yeah. now, now, Another... now, fair dues. there. That was before he was Dirty Den. So, yes. yes, yeah, Fair, fair dues. So, and it, he just got out of, you know, Parkhurst for, like, killing someone. So, right. you know, fair dues. So, Give him a break. So, well,
1: he's in the right episode for that. <laughs> <laughs> exactly, he is. So, Dirty Den. he's identifying... Uh, uh, rodney buse's character to davros saying well yeah. he's L- he's litten's uh commando right-hand man or something he has to be important this person that rodney buse is escorting has to be important yeah. because who he is so now i sure didn't buy that stein rodney buse's character was an important soldier in Lytton's dalek troopers so that was a bit of a disconnect. Yeah. There was, there was some really dubious acting with the, the much parodied line of I can't stand the confusion in my mind.
0: Mm-hmm. Doesn't really sell that line, sell that line that well to me. Yeah.
1: I don't know. This is this is kind of a typical Eric Sayward gritty story so going back to Rodney Buse, if we're looking for a gritty kind of character Rodney Buse isn't gritty gritty. yeah
0: (laughs) so I think this again this is typical Sayward Mm -hmm. it's aliens again I mean I don't know how many how many times Sayward must have watched James Cameron's aliens but probably too many times um because Earthshock is basically aliens and this story is basically aliens as well. It's kind of like, ooh, let's fight bugs in space with kind of guns and things. Um, hmm. But again, just as for some, for some reason, and I think that reason is JNT is in charge of the casting, just in Earthshock, Beryl Reed gets cast as, as Sigourney Weaver. In, <laughs> in this one, uh, in That's Resurrection just... <laughs> of the Daleks, I don't know, Michael Bean gets cast as Rodney Buse. And it's, it's it, it really like... I read, I I mean, I read, you know, obviously listeners, the listener to this podcast is probably getting really bored of this. But, you know, it's, it's this disconnect between a script editor who's writing scripts and then the producer who's sitting around going like, what sitcom star do I need to star in a pantomime this Christmas? I know Rodney Buse. He'd be great as a space mercenary. No, he wouldn't. He'd be really bad as a space mercenary. And I really think that's what happened. You know, they maybe they were talk, talking to each other. They probably were talking to each other, but they probably weren't listening to each other. And right. he's writing the scripts over here and mm-hmm. T's casting them over there and they're really not meshing together.
1: You think it was JNT that was casting it rather than uh, the director, Matthew Robinson?
0: Speaking as a as a Briton, I find it almost impossible to conceive that a director would go, Okay, who'd be a good space mercenary? Oh, I know, Rodney <laughs> Buse, Out of the Light, lads. Because <laughs> The Likely Lads, right? And then the sequel, Whatever right. Happened to the Likely Lads? It's about two Newcastle mm-hmm. Geordie lads and, you know, what they get up to. And one of them one of them is, is kind of cool and, you know, always up for it. And that's not Rodney Buse. And one of them is kind of nerdy and stupid and has a bit of a speech impediment. That's the Rodney Buse one. So like, okay, if you're going to get someone out, the, out, the, out of the like events, right. get the other one. Anyway, so there's that. The other thing that, that kind of irritates me about a little bit is is that it's it's and you quite properly called mm-hmm. out the Shad Thames scenes with the policemen, and you know the policemen have got you know they've got you know, really cool submachine guns, you know the kind of submachine gun you know that that Kurt Russell has in Escape from New York, I mean it's super cool. Well, they had
1: pistols with silencers.
0: exactly it's all super cool and but it's like well how does this actually fit into the story and it's actually very similar and i was actually just checking whether these Mm -hmm. things align but unfortunately they don't align that well um uh, a resurrection came out in 1984 my favorite british comic book 2000 ad um was actually at its height in 1984 in my opinion but by 1988, uh, there were some comic book artists coming in and working. And the, uh, the, the reason for this anecdote right. will, will, will become obvious quite soon, especially <laughs> if I stop explaining why the reason. Anyway, um, <laughs> but uh, they started hiring the wrong the wrong comic book artists. Mm. And the great thing about the great thing about comic books, the great thing about expert comic book artists is that they're able to use right. images to propel narrative so that the script mm-hmm. and the images work together to push the story forward. There's an artist called Simon Bisley, who I'm deeply antagonistic towards, who started work on 2000 AD, actually, in in 1987, 1988. And he was the master of the single panel. So instead of having a propulsive story, right. you have one single awesome mm-hmm. panel that teenagers think is really cool, and then all the stories crammed into the next page, and then you have another mm-hmm. really awesome panel, probably of like a robot holding a gun. And I think this is this is what I feel about this story: right. is there, there are these kind of awesome scenes which are good, set amazing pieces. if you just if they're just single scenes, but they don't. They're set pieces, but they don't mm-hmm. do anything to help us understand the story in my opinion so yeah that's kind of what i and i, I, and I don't like those dalek hats really they're, they're just stupid
1: oh you don't think that was good marketing on the daleks uh, standpoint to have their uh, signature <laughs> roundel or the bump dalek bumps on their
0: uh he- headwear it's the dalek marketing <laughs> department exactly it's um uh i'm trying to think of a, a it's it's yeah it's some um, it's 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 Mad Men, yeah. It's it's old. It's old. <laughs> what's his name? Mad Men is like. You know what no, we should no. do with the Daleks? We should license your bumps
1: <laughs> and eye stock. So bumps and eye stock. Signature signature signature. Issue or in, signature identifiers for the. It's Daleks. important to have the brand mm-hmm. ac- all ac- well represented all across
0: the merchandise. <laughs> exactly, mm-hmm. exactly. And your brand, now, Mr. Dalek, is bumps and eye stalks.
1: And so JNT missed a trick there in the 80s. He could have been marketing those Dalek Trooper helmets, and you would have seen those on playgrounds and driving parents and teachers crazy.
0: Why would you? I think maybe the bubble had sort of burst by then, <laughs> to be honest. Um
1: I don't know, it's season 21. It's coming right off the 20th I anniversary. I suppose so, yeah. Maybe, maybe.
0: I don't really know what the BBC were doing with the merchandising at that point. Nothing. Certainly. Nothing, uh, nothing exactly. I'm sure that JNT was thinking like, well, maybe, maybe I could interest them in, in Dalek hats. But <laughs> I think they just said, no, we're not going to do Dalek no. hats, sorry. Maybe even they thought they looked stupid.
1: Even my favorite character in it couldn't carry him off very well with Maurice Colburn. Maurice Colburn, who again, Litton, you know, he... he He's, he's, a, he's a daft
0: character, but he does a really good job. Mm-hmm. He does a really good job uh, mm-hmm. at as, as being a pretty stupid and unnecessary character. But there you go.
1: Yeah. Uh, Maurice Colburn is my favorite guest cast in the story. So. Litton, Yes. The space mercenary Lytton. But I guess the policemen were there to guard the Movellan virus canisters that were in the shad yeah, warehouses. And it just...
0: sorry, yes, exactly. No, that's that's why they were there. But unfortunately, you know, my my, my reaction to that is, mm-hmm. yeah, okay, well, yes, I guess they were. But why were the mm-hmm. Movellan virus canisters in like 20th century London anyway?
1: Why? Right, corridor. Right. Exactly. Yeah. Why put them on why? Earth? Right.
0: Yeah. I mean, I guess, you know, I mean, I guess, you know, Doctor Who monsters have a tradition of kind of convoluted and silly plans. Oh, but I don't know. Anyway, yes. Yeah. It doesn't really work for me.
1: Yeah. So the, the Daleks were pretty inept mm-hmm. in this story. First off, they needed Davros because they were defeated by Boney M and virus. <laughs> <They were. laughs> Caused them to uh, turn into foam machines. yep. yep. Uh, second, they lead the assault on the prison ship and get two of them get blown up. Yeah, they get, the and they get totally get creamed as well.
0: Up. That's just why there's white foam everywhere, right?
1: And there's some really terrible Dalek mutant on the neck acting, and a couple actors and of the unit-like army troops uh, again. There. And I,
0: I would I would ask you to reference the movie Aliens there if you look about mm-hmm. the Dalek mutant on the neck.
1: Yep, exactly. So twice, twice in this show, and I think this is a hallmark of Sayward's writing is put a gun in the doctor's hand and have the doctor fire the gun. And uh, part one, the doctor shoots at the Dalek mutant that was uh, attacking someone's neck, and then at, at the end, he pulls mm. the gun on Dabros. Not good. It's not so, good.
0: But the doctor really doesn't wield a weapon like that. It's, really.
1: Well, the only time he wielded a weapon that was uh, any time convincing was the Mat gun in mm-hmm. Invasion of Time,
0: and even then he's not in his right. You know, he's no. Yeah, he's not in his right mind. No. Mm so not happy about that really not happy
1: yeah so it was a pretty gruesome story i think setting up tegan leaving because of yeah. it made sense that was i think a good mm. good way to have her depart the show
0: i think one of the difficulties with this era and i and, you know as is obvious i have a lot of difficulties with this era <laughs> is that if you make traveling with the doctor so too horrible mm-hmm. then you really start to wonder why does anyone travel right. with the doctor because it's obviously it's it's really frightening. Right. And people die and it's disgusting and Mm -hmm. you know blah 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 which is the whole you know six Mm -hmm. doctor and perry problem it's like well if if the doctor is such a dick to her all the time then why doesn't she just go away um uh, yeah and and i think it's a real problem in the storytelling it's a real problem
1: right and if if you'd like we can move on to revelation which is the doctor perry relationship in in extreme there where it's that's true Uh, that's true where they are not getting along and uh I think the scene that uh, epitomizes that is they're climbing up over a wall and uh, he criticizes her weight as he kind of gives her a boost up and then she calls him porky and the scene deteriorates into innuendo.
0: <laughs> yeah, which again is is
1: really just not not uh, necessary. Out of place.
0: <laughs> yeah, I, absolutely out of place. And and again the weird thing is here is that I, I actually I really I really kind of like uh, uh, the uh, ah, the revelation of the Daleks. I'm 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 pretty much a fan of that show. But again, I I, the, I just mm-hmm. have to skim over the, just the misplays of the Doctor and Perry's relationship, which is just kind of painful, really. And and you know why? Right. If, 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 yeah, why are they even bothering to climb over a wall if they don't like each other so much? Right,
1: right. Well, we have a pretty decent guest cast in that one too. Terry Malloy. Returns as Davros. Very good as Davros, yes. And we have uh, Eleanor Bronn making her second appearance in the show after City of uh, Death, right? I'd
0: like to think that she's related <laughs> to the character from, from City of... A, a very distant descendant, because mm-hmm. she's basically playing the same character. <laughs>
1: We have Clive Swift, who absolutely hates Doctor Who as Joe Bell. As, as we know only too well from that just
0: amazing interview he gave oh, to Doctor Who goodness. magazine, which something that deserves to be well known by everybody. Yes, yeah. Cl-
1: Clive Swift hates Doctor Who and hates Doctor Who fans. Do not yes. bother him about Doctor Who.
0: Really, do not stop him on the street and say, Hey, Mr. Joe Bell, can you sign my, my copy of Doctor Who magazine? Because he'll tear it up and throw it in your face. Oh.
1: And then we have another Young Ones in the cast with Alexi Sale.
0: Alexi Sale doing an excellent job as the DJ.
1: I like Deck Alexi Sale, and I like the DJ part, and that was my favorite thing in the story when I first watched it was Alexi Sale, so...
0: He did a really good job. Yep. yep. We
1: have uh, Eric Saber trying to do a Holmes double act with uh, Orsini and Borstock.
0: Again, really pretty good. Really pretty good stuff. Um, Mm -hmm. I'll I'll have to have to point out again that, of course, William Gaunt as Orsini it was also a sitcom star.
1: Really? Okay.
0: Yes, absolutely. He starred as harassed father Arthur Crabtree in the sitcom No Place Like Home.
1: Oh, my goodness. I, yes, I remember that. I did not make that connection at all. Which was one of
0: those sitcoms that was kind of okay, mm-hmm. actually. Um,
1: it's, it's, until, it's kinda, <laughs> until It kind of ripped... What's that? Sorry. I would say it was a good sitcom until middle of the way through when they, when as... Often happens in British sitcoms: the cast changes. Oh, did they? <laughs> and you I didn't have know different that. different actors. Everyone's claimed, different. Not everyone, but enough key family members were different. It's sort of like, <laughs> what? How interesting! I not I mean, I, I again, it was one of the sitcoms I half
0: watched. Mm-hmm. I was a pretty much a fan of Ever Decreasing Circles, right? Which was uh, a very a very good sitcom with you know what's his name in it, mm-hmm. out of the good life, you know, Richard Bryars. Richard Brass, exactly, um, which was super, and I, I, I think, I think, no place like home was roughly similar. Mm-hmm. So again, I would kind of half watch it, hoping that something funny might happen. Mm-hmm. But anyway, there is a little bit of disconnect there because you know, I've, to me certainly, and maybe as others, um, he would be known as someone who was basically a sitcom star.
1: Mm-hmm. Was his companion or seen his companion Borstock also a sitcom? Uh, John Aguin.
0: No, um, he's a Welshman. Um, But no, not. But um, someone who would have been familiar, though, to me also, excuse me, is um, Eleanor Bronze.
1: Oh Hugh Walters. Uh,
0: sidekick, um Hugh Walters, yes, who was in a whole bunch of stuff vogel yeah i mean he's in he's in a he 's in a bunch of stuff mm-hmm. he was in survivors oh. and uh, basically survivors
1: the main thing that struck me with revelation is you could make an excuse that resurrection, the Davison story was a Dalek story, but this one the Daleks were really peripheral in that they yeah. were they were hired gun extras we had uh, a continuation of the Conflict or the hostilities between Davros and the Dalek Supreme, but those are kind of tangential to the story of mainly Davros trying to rebuild or build up a, his own Dalek army to gain control of the Dalek Empire.
0: Right, right, right. So, One of the things I kind of like about it actually is that is if you're going to do a Davros story. Right. You know, let's make it about Davros, and and I kind of like it the way the Daleks just kind of come on, kind of mm-hmm. three quarters of the way through, right. and you know they're kind of lurking somewhere, but mm-hmm. you know suddenly they're all about and they start trashing the place. Right, I like I I kind of like that, mm-hmm. um, and I think that works well. I think it's a really good reveal that you think you know Davros is just ahead, and then he ends up. Oh, it's not ahead mm-hmm. at all. He's a whole Davros. I think the you know turning turning you know he, you know dead bodies into into food is mm-hmm. is is a great little little piece of kind of sick joke.
1: Are they turning dead bodies, or is that what I guess that's what he is doing? Davros is doing on behalf of uh, uh, Eleanor Braun's character, right? He's creating food yes. from the but that's kind of his cover story for actually taking for, the bodies and transforming, them. turning them into Daleks. Yeah, the metamorphosis yeah, yeah. of the, in, yeah. the the glass Dalek, which yeah. Uh, the Actually, the first way I even experienced Revelation of the Daleks was through Doctor Who magazine because that With would...
0: With the glass Dalek on the front, yeah.
1: Yeah, that came to the States before where at least in... Uh, oh, in, really? Okay. Uh, okay. Twin Cities, Minnesota area before the show right. was on television. so
0: right. I mean, I'm a little bit suspicious that there are enough dead bodies um, mm-hmm. to both provide a you know a regular food supply mm-hmm. for Davros's food making equipment right. um, but, and also a regular supply of stuff to make into, into Daleks. Right. It's a little bit a, bit a little bit of a disconnect there. Mm-hmm. I, I, uh, give me your take on on, I think one of the most uh, controversial characters in, in Revelation of the Daleks, which is Jenny Thomason as Sam Becker. What do you think mm-hmm. about that? <sighs> I'm I think she's okay. Okay. Actually. Yeah.
1: I think well, this is a show of double acts. So you have Kara and Vogel, you have Right Orsini and Borstock, and you have the the two uh trying to rescue their dad who's being turned into the Dalek, which is or uh, something, yeah. Uh Natasha Boris and Natasha or some. Boris and Natasha, yeah. <laughs> <or some. laughs> Boris and Natasha. I, I think you know, uh, uh it's it's Gregory and Natasha, <laughs> sorry.
0: It is Gregory and Natasha, <laughs> so, yes. They do not have entries on Wikipedia, let me just <laughs> let, let me just point that out.
1: <laughs> oh, and they certainly uh the this this whole episode looked very, very nineteen eighties, more so than uh, Rula Lenska in her aerobics exercise outfit. Yeah, the, the
0: colors and the set design. Yeah, yeah the, definitely.
1: But those two that were coming in to rescue and found her father being transformed into a Dalek, those two were out of 1980s central casting completely. Mm-hmm.
0: Yep, they've got the big hair, they got the... Mm-hmm. Yeah, they got they've, yeah, They have it all. So
1: it all. the other double act is we have Tamsen, Becker, and Jobel. Mm-hmm. I think they're a good pairing, and I definitely like seeing... Uh, Clive Swift getting his comeuppance from Tamsin Becker. I think Davros shows his manipulative side just being able to twist her around to do his will. So she's played by him, basically. Yeah. And I think I think they're both
0: relatively good I mean, I think they're both good performances. Mm-hmm. And I think, you know, I've I've seen her be I've seen the actress being criticized for, you know, not not really being able to act right. But I think actually it's kind of a subtle I mean, you know, it doesn't completely work, but it is kind of a, quite a subtle performance. Mm-hmm. As any fool know, and you know, stop me if I'm Tony something so You know, already the the kind of outline plot of Revelation is based on the a book called The Loved One, oh, um, didn't know that by um, by, uh, by Evelyn Waugh, which was a satire. Oh. That war wrote a satire of the American funeral business, mm. and as as all English people know, um, <laughs> America is just laughable in many ways. And certainly, the funeral business in the United States is like what? Mm-hmm. Why? Why is there a business of mm. like? yeah funerals like funerals mm-hmm. are something you do really really quickly really really quietly you don't tell anyone you mm-hmm. put him in the ground you put a tombstone on top bang job done mm-hmm. to like drag it out to mm-hmm. these like you know funeral homes and funeral parlors and right. like we we find that extraordinary uh, and mm-hmm. and i think certainly in the 1930s which is when evening war was writing the loved one um he found it extraordinary as well right. so quite why a saw felt that adapting the loved one would be a good idea for a, uh, a Doctor Who story. I've no idea. But anyway, that's mm-hmm. where it came from. So
1: I thought it was based off of Soylent Green. So it's. Uh, well,
0: I, I, <laughs> obviously, it's got big hunks of Soylent Green mm-hmm. in it as well. Um, great, steamy, <laughs> juicy, delicious chunks of <laughs> of Soylent Green. Daleks.
1: Daleks are people.
0: Exactly. <laughs> which, is, again, is interesting because, of course, Soylent Green is based on mm-hmm. a book uh, called Mate Room, Make Room by Harry Harrison, which, mm-hmm. un- of course, doesn't actually yeah. include Soylent Green in it. Um, mm-hmm. Sonic Green, as a concept was actually added into the movie when they adapted that book into into a movie. Right. Um, so there's some trivia. It's kind of a weird cloak, mm-hmm. and not not just Colin kind of Baker's cloak. It's kind of a weird cloak for the whole thing.
1: Colin Baker's cloak is probably the best thing about his costume. There.
0: Yeah. I mean, I can actually remembering being so confused when the tombstone falls over the, on the Doctor, and it's like, right. what's going on? Sort
1: of like why, why, who? what yes it's a set piece right. you
0: know it's it's okay what would be super cool right now if the doctor suddenly saw his own tombstone and then it fell on him whoa mind blown um but it right. doesn't really actually it doesn't really make any sense with the plot at mm-hmm. all i'm sorry it really doesn't eric saw so what if you're listening to this i'm sure you aren't anyway
1: well he i thought he was our one listener <laughs> He is he's, he's like
0: curses <laughs> <laughs> they're on to me that's it i'm never writing another episode doctor ever again um let's uh, let's because I, 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 I like this one uh, okay. it's, it's good it's satirical, I like the performances, I like the set design I don't like Grigory, I don't like Boris and Natasha at all, but that's <laughs> fine I like the where the dialects come in late right. I think William gaunt does a good job as a space mercenary right. a much better job than the previous sitcom star dud right. did as a, as a space mercenary mm-hmm. so yeah no this gets some um, this gets like seven
1: or eight stars out of ten oh, okay so but it is not a really good Dalek story it's a good Davra no. story it's the second best Davra story I think in the classic mm-hmm. series but it is not no, a good Dalek no, story
0: Yeah, no, no no
1: and then we had a regeneration and Sylvester McCoy in an anniversary year gets his Dalek story He
0: does, with the old Remembrance of the Daleks. Mm -hmm. Yeah, written by um, Ben Aronovich.
1: Uh, Yep, Aronovich.
0: Aronovich, yeah.
1: What do we think about this one? <sighs> yeah. Well, as Pamela Salem in it, it, can't be all bad. That's true. And, and <laughs>
0: I, exactly. And I think that's a great little team, as, as is made clear by the fact that they've now got their own big finish mm-hmm. spin off series.
1: And it's it's the proto uh, unit.
0: It is the proto unit. Mm-hmm. The proto unit. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I, so I, I think the London setting
1: is good. Mm-hmm. Michael Sheard was good as the headmaster.
0: You've got to get Mike, Michael Sheard. Mm-hmm. And of course, as, as you will know, David, Michael Sheard spent many, many years as the headmaster in Grange Hill, which was a classic um, children's mm-hmm. yeah, right. set yes. in a comprehensive school in London. Mm-hmm. So let's cast a humorous star mm-hmm. in a role in which we recognize him. And Michael well, Sheard, and also, of, course, of course, as all, all fans know, Michael Sheard is, is a Doctor Who hero and has been, mm-hmm. I think, he's acted with all the Doctors, hasn't he? Pretty much.
1: Mm-hmm. Don't know about that,
0: um, but anyway, he he did a good job as a headmaster.
1: See, from from the American perspective, we know Michael Sheard as uh, one of the people that got killed by Vader, Darth Vader, in Empire. <laughs> but I think I think
0: I think in some ways, since since all the Imperial officers, incompetent as they are, were uh, British character actors, um, right. I think you can pretty much say that of anyone. <laughs> they all got killed by darth vader eventually oh there's
1: admiral veers the guy who played admiral veers didn't uh, julian glover did not get killed by vader he julian glover was competent he was the (laughs) was the only the only competent one
0: (laughs) honestly i I have to say the death star need to fire need to fire their hr department i think that's probably a comment that's been made before on the internet but i'm just going to make it again you have a really bad hr department you need to get some new hiring practices in
1: so this story I think was a hot mess actually. So it's yeah, hot mess is good. It's a
0: good good way to describe. <laughs> it It
1: has great set pieces. Okay, we have the Dalek going up the stairs, you put the rest the joke of the Daleks can't climb stairs finally. They can fly. Yeah. Right, but we saw that in the TV comics. Yeah, a long time ago. Uh let's see. Ace had a great piece with the who are you calling small just dis- destroying the uh, Dalek with the baseball bat that was yep. a nice good set piece mm-hmm, mm-hmm. the writing is refreshing compared to Eric Sayward so Aronovich is trying to tell a different story there with the racism to West Indies people and English it's a little, a little bit heavy-handed heavy handed it is heavy handed but it is, in fact, it is... very heavy handed but there you go do you think it's any more heavy handed than say the environmentalism and green death yeah
0: well that is very heavy-handed right uh, so, so i think for... um, let me compare it let me compare it to the anti-colonial message of um uh oh, you know the they're mutants? on solos yeah the mutants of oh, the mutants which is actually mm-hmm. not as heavy-handed I, as I, it. it's okay. a lot more subtle and you have to know mm-hmm. uh, i i feel you know they're, they're not there's not really like a single character who's saying like mm-hmm. i am an actual racist because you know the characters in, in *Remembrance of the mm-hmm. Daleks* do say like, "I'm a racist," Right. and here's my friend who's also a racist. We're racists. Okay, too much, too much. So not subtle enough. But we have, the- and it doesn't. I mean, and and and, and, and I, I guess okay. Here's my here's right. here's, here's, my, here's my objection. I think in *Green Death* and obviously you know *Green Death* is pretty much my right. number one right. Doctor Who story. The ecology plot, the ecologiness kind of fuels the plot in a mm-hmm. in a kind of good. Mm -hmm. satisfying way i don't really feel that we're racists actually adds much to the doctor trying to regain control of a super weapon right he hid somewhere by mistake that this is the 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 issue i have
1: with the mccoy era is trying to make the doctor mysterious and something more than i think he should be He's part of part of the triumvirate Mm -hmm. of gallifrey we have but we have Rassilon, we have Omega, and then we have the other, I think, in the novels. And that other is heavily implied yes, to be the, the Doctor. And it's sort of like, no, really. we, we I really don't need the Doctor no. to be boosted up to be one of the key uh, Time Lords of Gallifrey and society. I think he's better as... Mm-hmm. Uh, well, he's just—he's better as an outcast, as <laughs> the one who ran away. The—I yes, mean—to yes. steal Moffat's phrase—the madman in the box. I don't think he needs yeah, to be yeah, uh, um, 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 omnipotent with the hand of Omega, and then trying to commit genocide in a story that we're talking about fascism and Daleks trying to <laughs> wipe out each other.
0: It is—it is. A, it is a, I mean, again, it—I mean, it i is it, it's either—it's either really badly written if we're if what we're supposed to do is like okay Mm -hmm. here are some racists but isn't but the doctor is the ultimate racist because he kills an entire race if that's the message then i don't like that message and i don't want that story to exist um if that's not the message then why put those two two things together because that Mm -hmm. kind of implies that that's the message and i I, i don't like either of those two options which is why i sort of don't like this don't like this story that much
1: so that's why, yeah, that's why I think the story is a mess. So it's just
0: yeah, it is a mess. It is a mess. Um, I, 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 I had from time to time. I feel not too antagonistic towards the Carmel Master Plan, and the reason why, mainly I do, um, and mainly I agree with you. But from time to time, I think oh, maybe it's okay because I do have a kind of overall conception of the doctor as being kind of mm-hmm. everything all mm-hmm. the time all at once. So it's at, at a, one point during the kind of incredibly messy multiple timeline of the kind of mixed right. up Doctor Who multiverse, yes, the doctor may have become this kind of ultimate super mm-hmm. powerful mysterious time lord. He certainly what he didn't right. certainly didn't start out being that and he certainly isn't isn't that now. But he may have been that at one point in the multiverse. It's it's entirely. I I, find, I feel that's possible. Um, it's a possibility? It's a possibility. It's not mm-hmm. really effective storytelling, though, in terms of, of in terms of. And I guess you know, it never really, it never, it didn't really come to fruition. The Karma Master Plan, because the whole thing got cancelled. What the hell they would have, What the hell they would have done after they'd revealed that the Doctor was like, you know, this kind of super powerful omnipotent being? I know, I have no idea.
1: See, I think that uh, from my understanding and from my reading, I thought the Cardinal Master Plan was something that was applied after the fact in the wilderness years, that the the really the only master plan that um, Cardinal had was that Ace was going to become, go to Gallifrey and, become, and be enrolled yeah. in the Academy right, and, t- and become a Time Lord. So I thought that was the only bit that uh, really was part of the master plan and then everything else was kind of added after the fact uh, ultimately coming to a climax in lung barrel which i do not like at all so yeah <laughs> uh, th-
0: th- that's
1: that's interesting i mean i i guess i
0: always kind of vaguely mm. assumed that that he was kind of working on this kind of script from the beginning but if it's mm. if it was something that was added added kind of in post um and really the only the only intention was to kind of show the doctor as being kind of you know super mysterious again that was the that was the yeah. goal as
1: far as i understand is increase the mysteriousness of the doctor and i think it's the same way that uh moffat's been trying to increase the mysteriousness of the doctor by making him very powerful very knowing rather than right if we look at Hartnell era where they're wanderers in the fourth dimension and he's everything is new for him or even Tom Baker um, early years where he's just a wanderer trying to yeah yeah stay one step ahead of the Time Lords Yeah. yeah 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 Um, let's
0: get back to the Daleks quickly on this one. Yeah. Um, I think I think it's always a mistake to have the Daleks on cobblestones. Um, they do wobble. Um, you know, I mean, come on, I mean, there's enough tarmac in London. Um, just fill them on, on fill them on a street that doesn't isn't cobblestoned, which is like most streets in
1: London. <laughs> I never put two and two together, but that explains exactly why the Daleks look so pants in that in their yeah. big set piece battle. What the Is hell? they're <laughs> trundling along, wobbling back and forth. No, I mean, I, 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 can, like, I mean, as, I oh mean, my goodness, <laughs> as,
0: as an American, David, I could completely understand if you imagine that the streets of London were just cobbled with stones and we didn't have like tarmac <laughs> or kind of modern things anywhere. I can understand mm-hmm. that you might think that. You are wrong. Because (laughs) London is, even back in the late 1980s, it's kind of a modern city and all the streets are flat. And if you're, (laughs) most of them are, in fact, probably like 0.1%. I mean, 0.0001% 0. Mm-hmm. 0. of streets. So I do have cobbles on them, so I, I think they should have just filmed on the on the next door street rather than that one. Mm-hmm. So that's one niggle. Well, or <laughs> they
1: could have done the trick that they did with K9, is put down runners. Oh, put for down them. runners? Oh God, God's sake! Um, I think the special weapons Dalek is unnecessary. <laughs> like the Daleks can
0: kill kill you with like the one flash of their blasters. Why do they need a special Dalek who can kill you more?
1: Well, we we mentioned that the previous week that the the reason reason why. Is is marketed to teenage boys. It's a really big gun. It's and another set piece. It's for set that piece. demographic, it looks mm. cool.
0: I mean, I was I was I was older than that demographic demographic right. that demographic at that point, and I thought it looked kind of stupid. And again, you know, I said when the Dalek Emperor comes on, it's like, whoa, it's the real Dalek Emperor. It's, it's like a big dome, like from mm-hmm. the tw- century twenty one Dalek strips. But no, it's not the Dalek Emperor. It's, it's... just Davros. Wearing a dome for a reason. For some reason, mm-hmm. Where, why is he wearing a dome like that? No one really knows. I guess. I
1: well, it's the same reason why he was in the swivel head case in Revelation. So
0: he's just kind of hiding out a bit. Yeah.
1: Well, you know, when you, if you're if you're stuck to the Dalek bottom casing and you only have one arm, and yeah, you, you, you know, your fashion choices are limited. Yeah, you got to mix it up a bit over the <laughs> over the centuries, over the,
0: the literally millennia that you I apparently mean, if you, are alive. Yes. If
1: if the showrunner and uh Script editors are going <laughs> to boost you up to be a, an immortal character. You're going to have to have different looks. <laughs>
0: exactly, exactly. So again, I mean, how what, do the Daleks, do they do they make a good job? Do they do a good job in this story? Are we feeling this is a good Dalek story? Are we thinking it's mainly a Davros story? Are we thinking it's mainly a, a, a like, racists are evil? I, I think there's... Oh, I never realized that racists were evil before until I watched this show. Wow. Yeah, that's true. Racist, know, racists are bad, kids. Don't be a racist. Oh, yes, it's it's so obvious. This,
1: this is the politics of Doctor Who, and they're trying to uh, educate, I think. That's uh,
0: true, but I'll have to say, I don't know, yes, I think. So, I mean, anyway, it was, yes,
1: I, think you say, I think you saw it as heavy-handed. I didn't see it quite as heavy-handed right, as right. Uh, as you do. Now, I'm coming from an American perspective, and America has its own racial problems, too. It certainly so. does. And so, uh, not for address a doll-
0: it's, it's quite such brevity on a children's science fiction show, surely.
1: Well, we don't have them, do we?
0: Oh, I guess there's the Star Trek episode where like one half of them have got white and the other half's got black in their faces. Right,
1: so those aren't. Isn't children's television either? That, that is true.
0: That is true. That's grown up. Twenty
1: television. twenty-five years earlier, <laughs> and that's also
0: a lot earlier too. Um, sorry. Yes, uh, the Daleks. We're going to talk about the Daleks. So, do we do we think the Daleks do do a, uh, do a, uh, do a good job? I think it's job. their
1: best outing since probably Day. Really, day of the Daleks? really, really. Yeah, I mean, well, okay, no, probably well, their best the best outing off. since Planet planet. Yeah, no, I I'm gonna I
0: I will always ah, I know you're gonna
1: defend death. (laughs) I will defend death to the
0: death. Uh, Obviously it all goes a bit southwards in the final episode um Mm -hmm. of death, but I think it like all lot a lot of Terry Nation stuff, it's an awesome build up to I can't really work out how to resolve this one, so let's just make it all go away. Uh I so I will defend (laughs) death, but yeah no it's it certainly knocks the pants off Destiny it's a lot... It's a
1: better Dalek story than Genesis. It's a better Dalek story than Destiny. Uh, better than Resurrection.
0: Did, did you did, did you just say it's better than Genesis?
1: As a Dalek story. Oh, uh, really? Well, look uh. at what the Daleks... Look at what the Daleks actually do in Genesis. They are... They're the... They're the armory. They're being Genesis, I suppose. Yeah.
0: I'll have to say... I What... Yeah. Okay. All right. No, I, that's a good point. I, 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 yeah, carry. I take the point. Mm-hmm.
1: They well, they have that final scene in the Kala bunker where they kill kill everybody. Supposedly, everyone, including Davros, and then they speak into the TV camera so the Doctor can see them, and they promise that they
0: address the citizens <laughs> of the universe. Yes.
1: <laughs> yes, we shall return. We but, shall return. So, other than that scene earlier, you know, we see them getting getting their Dalek gun and then wiping out the Thals and yeah. revenge for Davras setting them up. I'm but, see, i I'm, I'm wondering
0: where they see what you see. So you're coming to Genesis from that American perspective. You see where you where it's it was, and again, so I'm rewinding all the way back to get my nine year old my nine year old self. You know.
1: Yeah, so my first Dalek story, and I I saw these a little bit older. I saw them as like 11 and 12-year-old, was either Genesis or Destiny. and Actually, I probably saw Destiny before I saw Genesis, so that was even more confusing. Oh, really? Yeah,
0: that would be confusing.
1: So I probably came to uh, the Daleks first through Destiny and then picked up the target novel for Genesis and right. then picked up actual watching Genesis on the r- repeat because in the U.S. we watched the Tom Baker years on a continual loop. Yeah,
0: well, well, of course, as, 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 as Eric Solwood, our listener to this podcast, <laughs> knows, my first Dalek story was Planet of the Daleks, mm-hmm. and then my second Dalek story was... Um, yeah. Genesis death, of death, the Daleks. Death. Oh, sorry, sorry, Death to the Daleks, and then the third was mm-hmm. Genesis of the Daleks. Now, in between that, um, I'd read every Do- Doctor Who novel I could get my hands right. on. I'd also got all the Dalek annuals, and the Daleks were having a bit of a having a bit of a moment at that point in the early seventies. And what was awesome about Genesis was like, wow, this is this, it's the Genesis of the Daleks. It's where the Daleks came from, and they was and they ended up. How did they get to be so badass, basically? Mm-hmm. Um, that's how that's how it happened. Right. So it, it, again, it's it's a story that has an immense payoff for someone who's obsessed by Daleks, as I was at that time.
1: You were heavily invested in the Daleks as a going concern, and then you got to see how it all came to part. It's their origin right.
0: story, and you know everyone loves. You know how does Spider Man get to be mm-hmm. Spider Man? Everybody loves those. Right. I don't hate those. <laughs> but, you know anyway. Everyone loves the origin right. story and you know and they end up just exterminating Mm -hmm. they do what their catchphrase says they exterminate everybody and it's 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 actually kind of cool Mm -hmm. and they are just horrible and mean and anyway so yeah that's the reason that's why I like Mm -hmm. Genesis and that's why I don't like Destiny because they come back and they're all like "Uh, you know what we're sorry we killed Davros we're being attacked by Boney
1: M you know we need to find someone to help us the problem with Destiny was I think it was Terry Nation wrote it, and he was flat out mm-hmm. out, out of ideas.
0: He had no idea. He was too busy thinking about MacGyver at
1: that point. I think he forgot that these were not robots. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. He was wasn't was paying attention. Yeah, why would his Daleks be trapped in a logic war with the Movellans, a robotic race? It just doesn't. Literally it, doesn't make sense. It just yeah. We had mentioned that uh, how the show changes by the inavailability of actors, but I think what really changes the Daleks is the lack of Terry Nation's recall of what he created. <laughs> Which is, of course, ironic
0: because, of course, all that they could have done to fix Destiny is actually maybe do a little callback to evil and talk about the human factor again. Mm -hmm. You know, or the Davros factor or something or whatever. Because the one thing the Daleks do have that makes them be robots is the Daleks aren't robots. Mm -hmm. They're not logical. In fact, the great awesome thing about Daleks is how super unlogical they are and super over-emotional they are. They're not lacking in emotion. They're cunning. They're Crazy, so angry, <laughs> just angry. Yes. All I mean, they're, they're so, so emotional. That, I mean, it, they are the most emotional of all Doctor Who's enemies, right? And that's completely illogical as well, as as is evidenced by their kind of crazy. Well, I guess the Cybermen do that too, as well, but their inability to come up with with plans that <laughs> work <were laughs> plans that work <were>. all makes <laughs> they, sense.
1: They go to the same school.
0: <laughs> <laughs> they do. They do. They do. So Okay, so so we're, we're talking about Remembrance. You're saying it's better than Genesis. I'm saying it's not better than Genesis. We, we as could, a Dalek story. As now, a Dalek story.
1: The, the problem, you know, we're talking back, back to Destiny. I think Terry Nation would have done the Daleks a great favor by not having Davros return. And I'm sure Graham Williams was saying, well, we need to bring back that Davros because... Look how look how yes. popular Genesis was, but he was
0: he was really popular, yeah.
1: But if we had omitted Davros from that next story, I think we could have had the Daleks reinvigorated, knowing their backstory. But yeah, pretty much because Davros, the introduction of Davros in uh, nineteen was it seventy five? Yeah, in Genesis. Daleks always become second fiddle to Davros and at least in remembrance it's more of a Dalek story than a Davros story. Davros seems kind of be tacked on as the surprise reveal at the end. Yeah. I don't know. It's... Which I think is,
0: yeah, he's, he's, it's sort of unnecessary that he's there. Um, They right. could have left him out really, I think. Well. Um, and he's only there because everybody thinks that the fans... Want to see Davros, which they don't really want to see Davros.
1: Right. You have the Daleks, so now you need Davros. Right.
0: Yeah, which I think is just the wrong way to go about so it, really.
1: Just uh, what did you think of the little girl in that story? Well,
0: that's, again, I, I should have done my homework for this podcast because that's that's been in things before. I know it's been in at least a couple mm-hmm. of comic strips that I've read that predate... Uh, nineteen eighty nine and I know it must if it 's been in comic strips, it must have been in uh you know Harlan mm-hmm. Ellison probably wrote a story where like a child is like a super battle computer of some kind i mean mm-hmm. if he didn't write it, he should have done so yeah i i even then I think like i 've seen this before that's kind of derivative. Mm-hmm. So yeah, that's what I thought about it when I when I watched it, and that's what that's what I think about it now. It's it's definitely derivative of something.
1: You were watching this in your early twenties or late teens, or
0: I am in my early twenties at this point. Yes, I probably should be doing something else other than watching Doctor. Yeah, U. so
1: you're a, a sophisticated young adult. I am an
0: unsophisticated <laughs> young young adult, but sophisticated <laughs> enough to realize that oh, this isn't
1: this is really mm. working out that well for me. So yeah. And that's how we left the Daleks for a long time we did we did I guess we had the the t- cameo in the TV movie where they put the master on trial but yeah they only had an on-screen voice rather than a presence but again
0: I mean through the 90s they were in you know they were in um, uh, they weren't in the virgin novels because I don't think they could They didn't have license, right? They they were were kind of referenced to the side, which was nice. Mm -hmm. They were in the the Doctor Who magazine comic strips, actually really pretty successfully, as was Davros, actually, and they managed to write him in quite well. So, Mm -hmm. I mean, they kept bubbling under. They're always there. They're always there, the the Daleks. They're always kind of up to something, Daleks. They're they're hiding in a mirror near you right now, ready to leap out. (laughs)
1: So any any final thoughts on the our three R's of the eighties? Uh,
0: well, uh, the the best one is is revelation. Okay. Um, the least good one is resurrection, and the middle one is remembrance. As far as I'm concerned,
1: yeah. So you like the Eric Sayward written one the best? I do,
0: as much as I crit- criticize so, Eric, and I'm sorry, Eric. Yeah,
1: a call out to our one a listener. A call
0: out to our one listener, <laughs> Eric Sayward. He's so. There you go.
1: He wrote them. He wrote the best Dalek story of the 1980s, he, according and that to should ben. be on his tombstone,
0: which then mysteriously then topples on top of him. Ah, it's my tombstone, he says.
1: <laughs> Made of styrofoam. <laughs> Made
0: of friable styrofoam, spray painted grey to look like stone. Mm-hmm. Yes. Um, so, so yeah, that's that's I mean, I'm, how would you rate them? Let's give you let's let's have your ratings, David.
1: Uh I would probably put Remembrance before Revelation. Okay. And I'd put Resurrection as last. Yeah,
0: Resurrection is definitely
1: last. I like Ace as a character. Yeah, she's a good character. I think the special effect with the Dalek ship landing in a Coal Hill Schoolyard was excellent. It's good. And so I think just the production values, and I am not a fan of Eric Sayward's writing or script editing. So no. it was, like I said, no, it's no, a, no. it was a, fresh, uh, a breath of fresh air breath after fresh air. the Sayward yeah. years. So... A breath of hot, messy. Yeah, air, really. that was a hot, steamy breath, but it was still <laughs> <Hot>. <laughs> It was different. Ben Aronovich's
0: hot, steamy breath on hot, your Andrew Cartmel's oh, hot,
1: steamy master plan. Well, <laughs> <laughs> oh, there are some
0: lovely images to leave us with. Uh, All right, at the, at the end with, of the podcast. It,
1: okay, so with that. <laughs> You've been <laughs> listening to episode 13 of the Metabulous 2 podcast. I've been your host, David.
0: And I have been your other host, Ben.
1: All right. Thank you for listening.
0: And thank you for listening as well.
1: Thank you for listening to the Metabilis2 podcast. You can reach us with email at metabilis2, that's a number two, at gmail.com or on Twitter at metabilis2. And again, that's a number two. Hope to hear from you. Bye.